welcome to John's Tarot. Today's date is August 25th, 2021, and this is John. Today I have an interview with Roseanne Coetzer. Roseanne is a good friend of mine and a social worker at Saddleback. Uh, Roseanne has a wide array of experience and has been very helpful to me personally. And for those of you who have seen her around the hospital, you might find this interview interesting. So let's listen to Roseanne. Hi, and welcome to John's Tarot. Today, I'm going to interview Roseanne Coetzer. I've been associated with Roseanne for a long time now at the hospital, and she's been a good friend to me for many years. And she's helped me through some difficult areas, some spiritual parts of my life, and some therapeutic parts of my life. And uh, I just wanted to interview her, and many of you see her around the hospital, but this is a chance to get to know her. How are you doing today, Roseanne? I'm doing well, Johnny. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm having a good day today. Roseanne, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, I've been a social worker for going on 55 years. Wow. And uh, loved, uh, I would say, almost all of it. Almost all of it. Not the horrible parts, but I loved everything else. And how did you get into social work? How did you decide on that? I think in the day when I was going to go to college, women had three choices. Teacher, nurse, social worker. That's about it. And uh, I wasn't a strong enough-minded person then to say, I really want to be a psychiatrist. And my parents wouldn't have accepted that. So I became a social worker. And what uh, we were talking earlier about uh, having more of an awakening, at least in terms of our careers. When, when did you start to start your education process? Well, I worked for several years after I got my BA in social work. And at the time that was unusual to have a college undergraduate degree in, available in social work. And after I graduated, I went right into working as a social worker. And I realized I really didn't have enough good solid training. And so I decided I had to go back and about eight years after I graduated, I decided to go to graduate school do you have a doctorate? I have a master's. A master's, okay. I didn't know that. And where, where did you get your bachelor's at? Michigan State University. Go Big Green. Oh, yeah. A friend <laughs> of mine, my friend of mine went there, Forrest Owen. And, and where did you get your master's at? Uh, Boston University. Wow, good, good school. No! That, what did I say that? That's so interesting. University of Boston. God almighty. It, I forget. And... Uh, what, what places have you worked at? Oh, my goodness. I have really been a chameleon that way. I've worked in and out of social work, per se. I've always been pretty much a hospital medical social worker. But I've also worked as a career, my, a career counselor for an international company. And I went, uh, I lived in Vancouver, British Columbia for a while as a result of that. That's beautiful. That's oh, it was. I'm a canoer and a sailor, and I was he in heaven. And uh, how long have you been with us at Saddleback? Uh, going on 14 years, I think, or 15. How did, 
How did you end up in Saddleback? Uh, I, my girlfriends kind of pushed me. All of my girlfriends, for the most part, are LCSWs or social workers. And they said, why aren't you back in your regular hospital setting? You seem to be floundering around a bit. And I said, well, I'm not sure I want to work for people again because I'd had my own consulting business. I thought, why not? And it was just, you know, the way it is in the world. I got the job that I went in for. So it wasn't very complicated. It was supposed to be that way, I guess. Mm. Well, it's been our, to our good fortune. Thanks, John. Mm. Where do you find, uh, where do you, what do you find to be the most challenging area of the hospital to work in? Uh, it's always about working with people. I would say the greatest challenge is that uh, I can't always do very much for a patient other than give them solace and support and a little bit of love. But um, medically, we haven't made as many advances as people think. <laughs> I know, I know that feeling. What what kind of changes would you like to see happen at the hospital that, that might be helpful? You mean when I run the world? When you start running the yeah, world. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Um, well, one thing we don't have is uh, we have all these kind of faux uh, helpful things for staff. We don't really have regular groups they can come in and out of when they're highly stressed. Uh, the, the recent year showed that in extreme, especially for the ICU and the ER uh, staff. Uh, th they were really worked to the bone, and I didn't see any kind of real huge support for that. You know, it's been a challenge, certainly, on ICU, and the, the ER has really earned their money down there. For sure. I've really seen them. Really, really. They, they, they've had the worst of it. Don't they you? have, and I don't know how they did it, but many of them are still there, which is a, a great thing to say about working in a hospital. And when you talk about frontline workers, so those are the frontline workers. It, Without a doubt. At, at least up on ICU, we have a little warning. And I would say the cleaning ladies, the ladies that do all that hard work of getting rooms uh, um, cleaned out and then prepared for the next person as quickly as possible. It's just, it's just so stunning that they do that work without complaint and um, are always there to help. I don't think they get enough recognition. It was my observation during the initial COVID surge that the, the real heroes in our, in our society, the doctors, the nurses, the cleaning ladies, the respiratory therapists, uh, the phlebotomists, who have to go in there and see every patient, and the, even the grocery store workers who have to face the public every day, and the grocery store workers and the truck drivers who, who bring in our groceries. I think these, these are our big heroes. And I wasn't too impressed with uh, the talking heads on television, no matter, no matter which side you look at, because I didn't see them, I didn't see them anywhere in the front line. Yeah, no kidding. What was what was your biggest challenge during the during the COVID? Well, our department uh, forbid us to go in uh, those rooms with people who are actively ill, and I really resented that. But I understood that I wasn't an I wasn't considered the immediate need. Unfortunately, they were wrong. Since then, we have 
during the, the whole experience, social workers have been making calls to those patients on a daily basis and to their families. So I don't know that the rest of the staff knew that we were doing that daily. And there were tons and tons of calls to make, especially early on. And we're still doing it now. Well, I don't know when we're going to see an end to this. That might just be a part of our practice from now on. One day at a time. Get ready, get ready. It ain't over. (laughs) I've come to you before with... uh, some issues and you giving me counseling, more like a professional therapist. Where did you have a, where did you get your training as a therapist? Well, back in the day, we used to be able to work as therapists before we even had master's degrees. And I had a bachelor of science in social, social work. And so I was allowed to work as a therapist and I was trained as one. The old time deal where your supervisor stood on one side of that window and the other side that you couldn't see through, and they watched your whole experience with the patient. We also had to write every word after a meeting with a patient. We had to write down what they said, what I said, the whole thing. It's very, uh, you get get to remember things very well that way. And so I think I've had some fabulous training, especially in marital therapy. Yeah, you've been a great help to me on couple of issues where I was totally blindsided about what I'm doing. Like most of us, yes. Yeah. So that, that's been very helpful and a, and a good friend. Well, it's been a wonderful thing to have you as a friend. Let's talk a little bit about spirituality. I'm kind of on my own spiritual path, which is a... Not, uh, not, a, not the usual path for most people, tarot card readings. Yes, that's and, very brave of you. And, and things of that nature. You know, I kind of have found my own way. What, how did you find your way? Well, the truth is I asked for it. I literally begged and pleaded in my mind for someone to come along that knew a lot more than I did, that I could sit at their feet and learn That's kind of the Socratic method, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I prayed so much, you wouldn't believe how much I prayed. And uh, I got a uh, little card from a friend that had a picture of a teacher on it from India. And I took it with me. And I don't know how to explain this, but I got a hit off of it, a spiritual hit that uh, most people in that line of business from Hinduism uh, called Shakti. You get you get uh, a certain energy enters you if you're open to it. And I found my teacher that way. It just led me to the guy on the card, believe it or not. I believe it. How old were you then? 33. I always call that when I had my awakening, I always call it <laughs> the popping sound. <laughs> my, my head fell off my butt. <laughs> it took a long time to happen. I think me. it does for most people. Yeah. So, so I remember you told me about your your teacher, Baba, right? Yeah, Baba. Uh, Baba Muktananda. How long were you able to be with him? Um, well, I was with him about twenty years, I think, if not a little bit less. And then he left his body, as they say, and left me behind. 
how could he do that? He took a few people with him from our, you know, people I was associated with all died around the same time he did. I thought it was lucky bombs. That I wasn't, you know, that's not my trip to, I'm here. I'm here to serve, so I wasn't done yet. I, I think uh, when I really got acquainted with you, it was your deep sense of spirituality that probably attracted me, and that we're all on. You and I, you, you and I have had some really good conversations about that, and we're, we've been very supportive of one another. I feel like you do many times that I'm kind of strange, but it's only because the society I live in isn't really interested in the things I'm interested in. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a little unusual compared to them. I, th- I think so, but I don't want to make it sound too uh, egotistical that it's you know I'm special. I just like it. I like my path. I think it's one of our challenges in life is to find our spiritual path. And I've had other teachers that were phenomenal, and and not just this teacher, although he is my main teacher. But you find a lot of people in this life who teach you. And I've certainly been open to that, so I've found them. And people say, well, how did you do that? And I say, well, I don't know. But I ask for it. I ask to be given teachers. Yeah, be careful what you pray for. You might get it. And I did. I've had some intense teachers that scared the devil out of me. But I learned. I learned. I got something from each one of them. Uh, Do you have people that uh, you're teaching? Besides me? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a time I was uh, doing it more publicly. Um, I may do that again. Just small groups, mm-hmm. uh, people. But um, I'm not out to be anybody's guru. I don't want that level of responsibility in life. Because I watched my teachers, and you got to put up with a lot of nonsense from people if you get in that position. Yeah, you've given me some lessons on on that. Well, this is John's tarot. So, why don't we do a tarot reading? Sure, you're terrific. Yeah, a little three-card reading. I've done some tarot readings for you in the past. I remember one time, I've done a couple readings for you that kind of have surprised you. Yes, Mm -hmm. very much so. So, do you you have anything you would like to ask? Do I do it aloud, or do I just do it to myself? No, tell me what it is. Okay. Um, how can I uh, how, how can I open myself more to um, more information and teaching? What do I need to be doing right now that would keep so, that so, part of my life alive while I do other things? So you would like more information flow your way? Yes, yeah, how I can be of service and help, yeah. I would phrase that. Um, okay. How can I open my life so that I'm able to support others while information continues to flow? Yes. Very good. Okay. You get an A. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Let's see what the cards have to say. Tell me, me, oh, great cards. Let me, uh, give me a second. I should do an advertisement for you while you're thinking. <laughs> Please look at John's tarot. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing man and a really good human being. Now I'm going to have to pay you for that. 
you couldn't pay me enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So how can all right? So how, how can Roseanne c- continue to open her life to help others and, and, and myself and herself and and let information continue to flow through her and come her way? Yeah, that's pretty good. I was going to ask about death, but I figured it was too awful. (laughs) (laughs) Cut the cards into three piles, please. Pick a pile. That's a pretty in-depth question. I'm going to throw five cards. Okay. How can Roseanne keep her life open? My heart, my heart opened. The Five of Swords. The Five of Swords is that one I was talking to you about earlier. That's that's you right now. Keep you have to keep your the, the sword of truth, but the only things that you know to be true. Keep that close to your chest, and also have a thick skin, because people are going to behave in ways that we're not really happy with, and I been seeing it on the news, people are behaving in ways that are I'm not real happy with. But I, I have my own problems to deal with. So that's you that's describing you for right now. And uh, keep the that, five of swords. The five of swords. So keep your keep your swords of truth clo- close to you. You you know what the truth is. Have the thick skin and just keep a keep a watch out for others. Your obstacles. We have the Eight of Cups. So it shows a man walking away from cups, usually walking away from things that he's created, or maybe moving on to a new spiritual journey and leaving other things behind. And this is your obstacle for right now. And what is behind you? Oh, yeah. The Eight of Pentacles. The Eight of Pentacles shows a man uh, who, who has been working as an apprentice for a long time, mastering his cra- mastering his craft, mastering his trade, and that seems to describe does describe you. And usually, it indicates you can to keep on working as long as you are feel comfortable with it. Is he, a, shoe, you, is he a shoemaker? No, he's making coins. Oh, much he's better. Making money. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can continue doing that as long as you, as long as, long as you, as long as you feel good, you feel up to it, to, to, to continue. What you can expect in the future? We have the Seven of Cups. The Seven of Cups is what what's coming up for you. What what you can expect, and. The Seven of Cups indicates that uh, in terms of this flow of energy that's coming through you, let it come through you naturally. It's a process. And this thing comes through you in a in a form that's like, you know, Roseanne, you're a rose. And you, and you grow. And you mature. And it's a process. And it happens in the seasons. And you're in a season of your life. And then another season is going to come. But you have, but you have to let just let it happen at its own pace, and not to push it. Mm-hmm. And the last card, underneath, kind of supports everything, is the King of Cups. 
Wow. This is a time in your life where you are going to shine. <laughs> where your abilities and your your sense of self are, are going to come to the forefront and you'll be recognized. That would be nice. And I, I like to look at these things in a couple different ways. So the King of Cups, that you're shining, this part of you, part of your life, uh, this a king is kind of at the end of a process that you have a lot to be proud of in your life. You may have to let go of some old parts of your life. Yeah. <laughs> you may have to, as we look, as I look up at the Eight of Cups, but remember your truth. Remember who you are. Remember what's what's really important to you as, as you move on. And then it kind of, it's kind of being balanced on each side uh, by the the eight, of, the eight of Pentacles, you know, that desire to work, that desire to produce, and the set, the Seven of Pentacles. Yeah, I know you're in a hurry, but it's just going to have to happen at its own pace. I'm always in a hurry. <laughs> well, that's what we have today for John's Tarot. I want to thank you, Roseanne. Thank you, John. I, I really enjoyed that. Mm. And uh, remember, if you have any questions out there that you would like to ask, John's Tarot. You can find me at johnstarot.net and ask me a question and we'll put it up on the podcast. Or if you would like to be interviewed, maybe you would like to, uh, maybe you have a book you want to promote or you want to promote a, promote a, a charity or an activity, we'd be glad to do that. And uh, I'm glad you're all here today. And, and I'm the audience. <laughs> Yay! Thank you, you. Thank you very much. So that concludes our interview today with Roseanne Coutzer. Coutzer, I hope you enjoyed the interview. Remember, if you would like to be interviewed, please let me know. We'll interview you and do a free tarot reading for you at the end. Also, if you have any questions that you would like answered on the podcast, please submit them to johnstarot.net, and I'll answer them on the podcast. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you very much, and thank you for joining me on John's Tarot.